Ladies and gentlemen, it's the sexiest man on earth, Matthew Colkin, otherwise known as Aragorn, otherwise known as Strider, otherwise known as King of Gondor. It covers it. <laughs> What's up, man? God, it's good to be back. It's good to be dude, back. It's, good. it's been too long. It's good to have you on. Like when I first started this podcast, I was trying to like be as careful as possible not to have the same people on over and over again because I didn't have enough episodes and I didn't want to think that you know, have to look like I only had like three people over and over again. So now that I'm at over 70 episodes, I'm going back to the old favorites. I want to be like, uh, uh, what's the, I, I keep trying to think of someone that's always on Joe Rogan, but I want to be whoever the Joey Diaz or yeah, you're, yeah, the, you're yeah. Joey Diaz. <laughs> the, the, uh, uh, the, the Jewish lawyer, Joey Diaz. So speaking of um, Joe Rogan, what do you think of this recent fiasco? It's it's pretty transparent what they're doing. I mean, CNN went went full CNN. Yeah, in uh, their they were calling him the next nine eleven or something along those lines, or next January sixth. January sixth, yeah, because it's used to the N word or whatever. And I went back and watched the episodes, many of the episodes that have been mm-hmm. that have been deleted. And don't don't get me wrong. I mean, he definitely said the word, but the context mm-hmm. is also important. It, that doesn't make it right. I I wouldn't say it in any context, especially in a public forum. You know, maybe if I was just, you know, trying to teach my daughter mm-hmm. racial slurs or something, but, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't, you know, but, but that being said, like, it's obvious that he's not a racist, you know, I, I remember watching them a lot. I, I've been watching Joe Rogan's podcast for years. Uh, not, not an original guy, but I, for the last few years I've been watching them and I can remember sure. seeing one of the episodes and thinking, wow, he's just going full freedom of speech. Uh, wasn't using it in a way that he was calling somebody the N word uh, he was using it in context, doesn't make it right. But I, I thought that um, it, it raised an eyebrow when I heard it. I was like, wow, he really doesn't care. I mean, he gives no right. fucks. Because right. uh, I wouldn't, I would never in a public forum use that or private forum for that matter. It's just one of those words that if it, if it, if you say it and you're a white person, um, well, I, as much as I don't like, um, What's the, what's his name from the the Daily Show? The South uh, South African man. What's his name? Oh, uh, Oliver. Whatever. Oliver am I thinking of? I, I can't. Uh, I can't think of his name. Uh, the Daily Show. Whatever. Whatever his name is. I can't remember his name. Trevor Noah. Uh, Trevor Noah. What Trevor Noah kind of did sum it up, and and it's just you just can't say it. And there's yeah, really I reserve no, the right to say it, but I choose not to. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I don't like any restrictions on freedom of speech, but there are consequences right. to that word if you're a white person. I mean, sure. It's just as simple as that. Sure. So, you know, it's obvious to me, I, anybody could have predicted that there was going to be like corporate media, legacy media backlash against Rogan. Um, just because of the nature of the show, it's long form. He's honest. There's no narrative. Mm-hmm. Um that that part too, and as well as the fact that he is like a major competitor now, right? So anytime the mainstream legacy media reports on him, I don't want to use the term mainstream because they're not mainstream anymore. But anytime the legacy media reports on him, they're reporting on a competitor. Right? That's like the same reason that they don't ever run favorable news about Tesla. It's because all the all Tesla's competitors are their advertisers, right? So- <laughs> I don't really feel like they are a competitor. But he's destroyed them. It's not a it's not a yeah. rivalry if one team always wins, and he's always sure. winning. Sure. Well, that's true. But but what did surprise me was that he apologized and then deleted so many episodes, allegedly, as he claims, of his own accord. And it's possible that it wasn't of his own accord and they're lying, but it just doesn't seem like he would lie. I don't know. 
I don't think that Rogan is the kind of person that's going to be disingenuous. Um, yeah. That's the reason why he's become so popular is that you listen to the man. He usually does come from the center. He has an open mind. I don't for one second believe that he's a racist. Not sure. for one second. From listening to him for a few years, uh, I wouldn't listen to someone who was a racist. Um, he is a good person. I mean, he really, to me, seems like a good person. And I don't think that he would sabotage his own credibility by lying about or covering up the fact that Spotify was pulling stuff. If he said, and I, I don't know if he did or if he didn't, we can ask Hillary for, we can ask Hillary about whether, you know, about, about uh, being genuine or disingenuous because she always tells the truth. Right. Uh, right. Um, and that painting, did you get that painting because of its place? Wasn't it in Mad Men? Uh, well, this painting right You just cut out. I don't know why. For some reason, I can't hear you. I can see you, but it just cut out. Did you unplug or did your Bluetooth uh, detach? I don't know. I can still see you fine. So I know it's not your, I don't think it's your internet connection because you still look good and your internet signal is strong. But for some reason, I can't hear you. I think you might have, the Bluetooth might have become disconnected or something from your computer. Um, but I will let you know if I can hear you again. In the meantime, I'll just recite Invictus. <laughs> oh, there you go. I can hear you now. There you go. For a second, I could anyway. There, there you go. There we go. I just switched okay. to different earbuds, and hopefully that will cool. solve the problem. That solved it. Can you hear me? All right, great. I can now. Very uh, good. So what I was saying is that is the original Rothko is at the Albright Knox Art Gallery in Buffalo, New York. So I've been sure. a fan of that. And then the Hillary for Prison lawn sign um that was an amazon special and i'm very proud of it and they they both have prominence in my background <laughs> sure did you see that madman episode where he had that painting in his office <laughs> yeah i did i don't think it was that one but it was similar it was, it was like similar. a yellower one yeah. yeah 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 that's what i was thinking of i was like is that a joke like is that a madman play but that's cool it's a beautiful painting but i didn't mean to change the subject but we were talking about rogan and um yeah how it doesn't make sense that he would lie well, like, so what do you, so you think that his video explaining his removal of those episodes, I don't know if you had a chance to see it. Do you think that's just really what it was? He's like, listen, you know, in retrospect, I regret it. I didn't see that. I didn't see that apology. Um, I, I saw the other two and I think that I agree with Trump. I think he needs to stop apologizing. I think he needs to just ignore a lot of the firestorm. I liked his first thing with uh, when he was talking about Neil Young. I thought that was really Classy. vintage Joe Rogan. I, um, I, I liked that, but as soon as you start apologizing, even if it's for something as inflammatory as uh, using the N-word, um, you're, you're never going to get their forgiveness ever. So what are you right. going to be gaining from that? Um, right. I think I don't, I don't, I don't, and I, I don't think moving forward, he should continue to explain what he's doing. It's, nor do I think that he should be changing his format in any way to appease people that think that he's a Nazi. So, I mean, just have your guests on that you've been having on for all of these years that you find interesting, that are people of prominence and importance. The reason why he's blown up recently is because he had two of the, the most world famous physicians in their fields on to tell their side of the science. Mm -hmm. I mean, they told truth in my opinion. I mean, I'm not a scientist. I'm just a, I'm just a jurist doctorate. 
So <laughs> yeah, Dr. Matthew Culkin, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And you know, the, the funny thing about removing those episodes from Spotify is that there's a couple of things that were interesting. First of all, I didn't even realize that the episodes, no, I don't think anybody knew the episodes were being removed until I think it was Michael Malice. That was the first person to tweet and say, Hey, for some reason, two of my episodes are just gone. And so what's, there's a couple of things that are creepy about it. First of all, you can still get the episodes by other means. So it's not like they accomplished anything practical by removing them. It's just PR. And then the second thing that comes to mind is like, Holy shit. He decided to remove all these episodes and he didn't even call like the guests that he had to say, Hey, by the way, I'm removing this episode. Please don't take it personally. It's just because of some shit that we talked about. Like that, it was so abrupt and quick. Like I would have thought he would have like called his buddies, you know? Well, there was uh, one, I saw someone tweeting about it and I can't remember what his name is, but he's um, a, a left comes from the left uh, who was on. And I think he's teamed up with crystal ball. I want to say her name is, yeah. but in any event, uh, he, uh, he said that one of his, uh, the episodes that he appeared on was removed and he wasn't talking about anything remotely related to something that was controversial enough to be removed. So, I mean, the bottom line is this, I love the fact that, uh, whatever that, what is it? Um, that other streaming service offered Rogan a mil- hundred million dollars to, to move his podcast there and get out of the Spotify contract. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I was Spotify, I would have, I would have asked him if he was interested in taking the deal. Yeah, if they really don't want them, but they would lose. I mean, imagine how many people subscribed to Spotify just because it was the only place that they could listen to Rogan. So I think that they would actually lose a tremendous amount of revenue if they, um, if they, I actually actually stopped listening to Rogan when he moved to Spotify. Really? Just because you didn't want to get a Spotify subscription? I I hate, I hate the, yeah, that, and I, I can't stand the app. I think it's terrible. I used to just like to watch them on YouTube and just let it stream. Yeah, well, I've been streaming the um, the band episodes on my Getter account because uh, I downloaded them all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so there's there yeah. are places you can, you can watch them on archive.org. Uh, so if you actually if you ever want to watch it a Rogan episode, um, feel free to do that. Um, and I don't know if you can listen to them for free on Spotify with just ads every 15 minutes, but it is a pain in the ass. I agree with you, man. So what's new yeah, in your like, world, man? Part of the reason I reached out to you to have um, you on the podcast today is because you said that you're getting calls from Canadians every day. Pretty much every single day. It's crazy. They, anyone that has any means in Canada that, uh, or doesn't even have to be means, anyone that's even remotely uh, conservative or anyone that uh, doesn't want to be told that they have to have a vaccine in order to participate in normal society wants out. They just want out. Wow. So are you able to help them? Well, a lot of them, yes. Um, what it comes down to is individuals that uh, I'm not going to go into the deep dive into the law, but okay. individuals that have businesses in Canada um, have the ability to start another business. That have the ability to start another business in the United States, they can tr- they can create that business and then be transferred into the U.S. Uh, under something called an intercompany transferee. It's a multinational manager or executive status, and it leads to a green card. So Mm. basically if you have a company in Canada and you've got employees in Canada and the the business is going to remain operational after you're transferred to the United States, open up a new office in the United States, transfer down and hasta la vista. 
That's the way to do it. Well, I love it. So, um, you know, I've been following, obviously it's been all over the place. So it's hard not to follow this whole trucker convoy shit, but what I don't understand and part of my ignorance, but I want to ask you, uh, is, is it just that the truckers, is it that the truckers are refusing to ship or is it that they're going very slow down the highways or is it that they're blockading the cities? Like what's the actual issue that they're causing? Well, the Ambassador Bridge, which is Windsor, Detroit, uh, I believe has been shut down by mm-hmm. the truckers. And Buffalo actually, um, which is another huge port of entry on the northern border, has been impacted because they're rerouting all the trucks that are trying to go to Canada from Detroit into Windsor to Buffalo. And it created a huge uh, backup. Um, so I know that they're blockading free trade because that bridge is on inaccessible and or at least it was I, i'm not i don't really know exactly what's going on to the for the the minute by minute uh but that people there's that prevents goods from coming into the united states potentially and goods from coming out of the uh getting out of the united states so it's it's impacting i mean in buffalo my office is less than five minutes from the border i spent my summers in canada as a kid i, I probably was five or six years old before I knew that Canada was a separate country. I mean, we just, we used to cross all the time. We, there were times where we would ride our bikes over, you know, it was just something that we did. Uh, and Buffalo's economy is really dependent upon Canadians coming in, coming in to go to the restaurants, shop, do all those things that where they don't have to pay taxes, the high um, value added tax that they have. And the pandemic really hurt Buffalo. So, I'm assuming that um, that Detroit Windsor is feeling the pain, and I'm sure that for uh, on the flip side. Uh, but I mean, I think the way I look at it is this: these truckers, regardless of whether or not they're personally impacted by the vaccine, and, the, and a lot of them are because of the cross-border issue with regards to be, you have to be vaccinated to come into the United States. Now you have to proof of, proof of vaccination. A lot of these people are just banding together and saying enough's enough. We aren't going to allow the government to dictate what our freedoms are with respect to movement and the ability to be employed. And they they are the ones that are at the tip of the spear. And I think that people in the United States are taking notice, especially the Democrat governors and mayors, unless you're Kathy Hochul, who's my ex-congressperson, but people are scared, uh, meaning Democrats. You can see that they're scared because they don't want 50,000 trucks barricading their cities. And hopefully if the, they'll, they'll take notice and they'll, they'll stop with the mandates because, I mean, I've got friends that are on the verge of losing their jobs because they don't want the booster. They got the, the two shots and they don't want the third. Right. And I don't blame them. Yeah, well, what what's what's bizarre to me about this whole thing is it's it's obvious, and maybe I'm just ignorant. Okay, and I'm just, I got the vaccine, I got the J and J initially. I never did any boosters, and I regret it just because now that they're mandating it, I wish that I could protest not get it. You know, but um, that means well, yeah. So what irks me about it is that it's it's really obvious now, in my opinion, and maybe I'm just bullshit that everybody got Omicron pretty much if they hadn't already had COVID. And it seems to me that natural immunity has like taken over. Hospitalizations are way down. 
and the vaccines don't prevent spreading, though they may prevent, you know, severe cases, right? So you might still get it. But I don't know. So let's just assume hypothetically for the sake of argument that the vaccines prevent severe cases, but nothing else. It's like, what's odd to me is that it's really obvious that they're, they're not like 100% effective. And if they are 100% effective, then they should be protecting the people who get vaccinated. So like, why is it that the Democrats are insisting so hard on the vaccinations if it doesn't really matter whether or not you get vaccinated, I guess is my point. <laughs> because I think it has nothing to do with with flattening the curve anymore. It has everything mm-hmm. to do with saying we're in control. You're going to do what we tell you to do. We're going to use our emergency powers and we're going to use the pretext of the pandemic to continue to be able to make overreaching executive decisions and override the state legislatures. And this is just a power play. It's, it's, it was very obvious after a f- like maybe month two of the pandemic when at first, I don't know about you, but I was, I was pretty concerned. I had a, uh, my late wife was immunocompromised. She was in late stages of, of stomach cancer and we were trying to keep her out of the hospital and keep her alive for as long as we could. I was scared to death of it. I was doing all this stupid stuff, washing my groceries, leaving them in bags outside. I bought in I, and I'm not a, and I'm, I'm vaccinated. I got, I got the booster. I regret it though. I do regret, and I don't want my kids to get the booster. They got vaccinated. My son wanted to get vaccinated. And you know why? Because he wanted to go and see the Bills play football. And you couldn't get in the stadium without a vaccine. So we complied. We complied. And that's, I think, what it's all about. It's just turning up that boiling pot one degree at a time until it's too late for you to get out of it. Yeah. And what's really scary now for Canadians and uh, you know, a lot of people have said that the only difference between Canada and the United States is the Second Amendment and that it would be happening here. So I'd be interested to hear your feedback on that. But what it's, when they can shut down your bank account on a whim, even if you haven't committed any crimes, like what the fuck? It's unbelievable what they're doing. It's uh, it's literally I've been tweeting about it for probably a year now, as soon as I, when it first got on my radar about the social credit system. And I was like, what the hell is this? Like, this is bullshit. But the social credit system is real. And that's what Democrats are. I think I was tweeting about it today or yesterday. They they want you to subscribe to whatever the accepted group think is. And if you do not, and that's part of the reason why they're going after Joe Rogan, because Joe Rogan is not controllable. Joe Rogan can put on someone that doesn't subscribe to Mm -hmm. the accepted group think and get it out to an audience, which is bigger than all of the cable news channels combined. And it, it prevents them from when there's a large enough group of people that are resisting the narrative it's harder for them to exert control over them through that social credit system because people won't buy into it. There's going to be too many people. You can't, you can isolate when you isolate somebody and they're out on a limb, it's easy to cut that limb off and that person's going to be no longer part of the problem. But when there's too many people and the the entire tree falls down, then they want to keep a stream of individuals in line and, it's happening. It's what the Democrats want. I've gotten to the point, and I, I know I told you this the last time I was here. I'm a libertarian. I voted 
Trump was only the second Republican that I voted for for president in the entirety of my life. I voted for Herbert Walker Bush in 88, my first vote, and it was third party candidates all the way until the impeachment proceedings. And I'm like, I'm voting for Trump. And I won't get back into that that rant again. But sure. I've got so I never I don't like the I, we were talking off the air. I mean, the, yeah, you can say it. It's fine. The, I'm not a big fan of the Republican the, Party. The, the, I like Republican voters. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. But the Democratic Party, as I, 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 like, I like to say, it's 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 dystopian fiction, what they're doing. And they're scary to me. They scare me. So I'm at, at a point where I'm voting straight Republican despite the fact that they suck. I mean, they're terrible. And they don't act, their policies are so, they're almost indistinguishable from the Democrats when they get in control. They spend like drunken sailors. They they say they're anti, uh, they say that they're anti-surveillance, but W created the, the, Patriot, the Act. Patriot Act. When that first, when that, when the Patriot Act first came out, I looked like a lunatic. I'm like, look, this is going to allow them to to spy on all of us. On all yeah, of us. and then Snowden blew and the whistle and proved like it, crazy. and nobody did shit about it. Well, even after Snowden, Trump is on 60 Minutes saying that they're spying on me, and Leslie Stahl is saying, no, Mr. President. There's no evidence. No, no. There's no evidence of that. We can't put that on 60 Minutes. Yeah. Not only was the government spying on him, but Hillary Clinton was privately spying on him Watergate style. I mean, this is some Towergate shit. It doesn't make any difference anymore. It doesn't. I mean, literally, they get away with whatever they want to get. There is no so, law when so it comes to the, to the ruling class. What's going to happen in terms Nothing. of actual charges? Like, like apparently Nothing. there's like a paper trail. Nothing. But doesn't a district attorney or the attorney no. general have to press charges? Yeah, I mean, there's going to have to be a U.S. attorney that's going to have to charge. And I'm and guessing that there's, will. there will be a patsy. This is what will happen. Two guys that you've never heard of are going to be dragged through through fire, and they're going to go to jail. Hillary rogue Clinton, campaign staffer, yeah, rogue campaign staffer. Oh Scott. yeah, yeah, yeah. This will be like a Seth Rich plausible thing. deniability. Uh, nothing is going to happen to anybody that you've ever heard of. That's my prediction. So how do we fix it? Is it even fixable, or does it just have to collapse? I mean, it's 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 hard to even say this, but I just don't think that this country is fixable. I, I, the the left and the right is so far apart at this point. It's like, and I'm not the only one that's saying it. I mean, um, I can't think of uh, the name of the comedian um, uh, woman. She was on Jimmy Kimmel. She's also been in blackface. She dated Jimmy Kimmel, I think, at one point. In any event, I, she did a whole thing about a national divorce and wasn't even really joking about it. It was like, look, you know, we can call USA 1 and USA 2 and, you know, we'll let the Republicans be USA 1 because, you know, they love being number one. It's funny. So we'll yeah. let them have that. <laughs> right. So, I, I mean, the you go – I live in New York State and – Kathy Hochul just today extended the emergency powers until like March something. I don't remember what it is. I know there's 20 something days. And meanwhile, you look at, I mean, I, I have, I have friends, many friends that work in the hospitals. They are not overrun right now. Like th this is just a power grab 
And there were fewer hospitalizations in 2020 end. in the United States. In 2020, we had fewer hospitalizations than we had in 2019. Fewer people went to the hospital in 2020 because they were scared to go and get sick. So actually, more people died because, you know, you have a heart attack. You don't know if it's a heart attack. You just say, I'm going to, you know, wait it out. Mm-hmm. And you have problems like that. Nobody was going for uh, elective surgeries. Nobody was going to get, you know, screened for cancer like they were supposed to because they didn't want to go to a doctor's office and potentially get exposed. And so the, the idea that the hospitals are overrun is certainly not a capacity issue unless you consider like lower staff. But the lower staffing issues were really mostly a response to um, hospital procedure issues rather than a response to like, we don't have enough beds. It's like, oh, this nurse, you know, isn't refuses to get vaccinated. So we can't let her come in or whatever. Right. And so it's just bizarre, man, how it seems like all these emergencies that we're facing are actually caused by government action and not legitimate emergencies. It's not like we got bombed. It's not like there's some, you know, meteor that hit or some earthquake that hit or, or any natural, like when you think of an emergency, it's like an attack out of your control and we need emergency, you know, powers in order to respond to it adequately. But all these emergencies that exist, exist out of willful incompetence. Well, and that's the other thing they're, they're, they are vilifying individuals who are talking about, um, the, the Iver, to go back to Joe Rogan, the whole ivermectin thing. I mean, I don't know anything about what, what, uh, what the treatment should be for, for COVID. Sure, uh, it's way out of my scope of expertise. Uh, but you would think, you would think if there were things that there were doctors on the ground that were prescribing to members of Congress, to, mem- to members of Congress who were getting COVID, they were all getting prescribed pretty much the same cocktail, I think, that Rogan was getting. That's at least something that I read. And you would think that they would be promoting that to ensure that, look, we've got, look, COVID is manageable now. Yes, it's dangerous. I'm not anti-vaccine, generally speaking. I, as I've, we all said, we both said we were vaccinated. I, I actually, I just got another vaccine for, for not something else because I'm over 50, so I got the shingles vaccine. I'm not anti-vaccine. Sure. The point being is that they created, they, it's old Rahm Emanuel, you know, never let a crisis go to waste. Never let a crisis go to waste. And they, they got a big crisis and I am, and I, here we go. I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat. Uh, I am convinced that they that COVID was exploited for the purpose of putting in all of these ballot harvesting schemes and Democrat-controlled strongholds in order to ensure that – I mean, that's what it was. It was ballot harvesting. Sure. I mean, why is it that they were finding – boxes of ballots at three o'clock in the morning after and stop count, whatever. I, and all I, these I, outbreaks I always happen in it. an election year. Like the Ebola one was an election year. The swine flu was an election year. It's almost like they keep trying it and they finally got it right. Oh, they did a good job and they tried to federalize it. If it wasn't for Man- Manchin saved the nation. Manchin they were going to federalize election, election pro- like voting yes. protocols. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That was just a ballot harvesting scheme. That's all it was. It was to ensure that we would never have a Republican president again. So what, what's the Republican response then? Okay, fine. If you're going to ballot harvest, we're going to do it better. I mean, that's pretty much sounds like the only thing we can do. I, I think that what you need to do is you need to get 24 to 26 governors to sit down in a room. The Republican. How many governors are there Republicans now? It's 26. I can't remember. I think, it's I think they have a majority, half. don't they? 
I think so. Yeah. So whatever it is, you get those all those guys together and you say, this is what we're doing. We're going to band together. We're going to basically create our own little pact between states where if the federal law is going to be unconstitutional, we're not going to we're not going to enforce it. And all of those states need to have constitutional carry so that anyone can carry a gun. Anyone that's in one of those states that has a concealed carry license, if if let's say there isn't or if anyone has a concealed carry license from any of the other states, it should be automatically honored. I mean, what what is this? If I have a license to to drive a car, I don't need to have a, a separate state license to go into another state. But if yeah. I'm and, and, and driving isn't a, a constitutionally protected right. But if I have my Glock 19 on me and I have my concealed carry from New York State, which was hard as fuck to get, incidentally. How did you why get is it? it that I can't go into every other? Well, I had a. First of all, I had to take uh, had to take a class to get a certificate, uh, that which was a couple hours long, and take a test and pass all of that stuff, which you know wasn't terribly hard to it's do. A pain but in the ass. The first, it's a it's a pain in the ass. It's a flaming hoop that you have to jump through. After you do that, there's the application. You have to get three um, uh, references who are willing to that live in your direct area. So you have to ask three people who would be willing to be contacted by the Erie County Sheriff where I live. Once that happens, you submit the application. The application goes to the sheriff, sits on a big pile. The sheriff will eventually get there once he to, to your application. Then he starts to call your references. You have to hope that your references answer the phone and, and call the sheriff back. Once that happens and they clear that, then they do an interview of you. Then once they've done all of that, then they take the application if they've made a decision on whether or not they believe that you that uh, you're someone that should be have their application put on a judge's desk. There's one judge that adjudicates in my area all of the pistol permit requests. So you have to wait for the judge to get through his stack of papers to get to your application to decide whether or not you are going to be allowed to exercise your constitutionally protected right to bear arms. And That's that doesn't insane. mean that if you get your and if you get your license, that doesn't mean you get a concealed carry license. You may only have the ability to uh, to go hunting or target shooting. If, even if you have a business, they may say, OK, well, we'll allow you to drive to your business with the firearm, but it's not going to be unrestricted. So if you want to go out to dinner uh, and be protected at night, you're not going to business. Well, your license doesn't cover that. So you can only use it if you're in furtherance of um of your business activities. Uh, and um, I was able to get um, an unrestricted based on the fact that I I received death threats for sure. speaking my mind on the internet. Sure. I have yet to receive any death threats, but I do get hate mail quite a bit and emails. No, no letters in the mail. Yep. But yes, yeah, I haven't got any letters, but I, I get... I get voicemails and I get emails and um, and I have had some... I've had some uh, notorious clients in my day as well, and uh, you know th th those those can be concerning. Your clients threatened you, or just the fact that you were working on a controversial case? Well, I've had some controversial cases. I mean, I've I I had this one particularly controversial case that involved um, a warlord from Liberia who was recruiting uh child soldiers into his military and it was actually war the first war, time in war, the United uh, States. A Lord of War. <laughs> Thank you, but I prefer yeah. it my yeah. way. 
You remember mm-hmm. that movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I do. I lived it. I lived it. So two you're years. representing this client? I, I, yeah. So how, yeah, how was, that, is that, was that morally difficult to represent somebody like that? How, what are your thoughts on that? No, I, rep- I represent the Constitution of the United States. I see. Um, I, I believe in due process. I believe that if the United States government is going to accuse somebody of something that renders them either deportable from this country or or some sort of a crime, that they're entitled to the full panoply of due process protections. And if I were in that situation, I would want a lawyer to go to bat for me and fight for me till my fucking knuckles bleed. You know, sure. it's like that's what I I go into court. I'm going against the government. The government, if the government's got the goods on my client, they're going to win. Yep. They're going to win. I mean, I, I don't, I don't win on technicalities. I win, I win based on the facts of the case. Uh, right. If I'm arguing, if I'm trying to win based on arguing the, uh, the law, the judge is going to figure out a way to rule against my client. So what do you think about these recent moves that we sort of subtly seeing the federal government do to classify Americans as domestic terrorists? Like as a lawyer, what is the difference in your legal status if you're declared a domestic terrorist? Well, they can do whatever they want to you. You they lose can all your rights? You. Well, I haven't done a deep dive of the Patriot Act in a, while, in a long time and, and Gitmo is gone, but I mean... I, I had a client, I had another client uh, who was uh, picked up right after 9-11. And uh, he was picked up with uh, in the Jacksonville airport with a taser and a flight manifest for the D.C. area and um, went to Embry-Riddle Flight School, which is the same flight school that the terrorists went to. Ooh, so a lot of red flags. And yeah, this guy disappeared. They you don't know what happened him. to him? I never heard. Nope. Nope. So he may be dead. He may be alive. He could be at Gitmo. He could be where? No, nobody knows? No idea. No idea. He was in custody. <laughs> he was in custody. And he, and, and I, we were his lawyer. And he was just and completed the immigration case. And then he was gone. Did he win gone. the immigration case? No idea where he is. No. He, I mean, he just had a – he was – it was just a, a minor – Immigration law violation, nothing that was serious, no criminal. How long nothing. did you work? How long did you know, like, have communication with him for before he disappeared? It was like, um, like a couple weeks to a month. It was a very simple case, Whoa. and he just, yeah, and he was gone, gone, disappeared. So, do you think that the reason that they're trying to like classify Americans as domestic terrorists is so that they have just more leeway and just disappearing political dissidents? Of course. Well, it's also so that, of course, because this is what they do. They they say this is a domestic terrorist, so it destroys their life immediately, destroys their life, and it 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 erodes their ability to fight. No one wants. Everyone distances themselves from them. No one wants to have that stink on them of having anything. So even it doesn't. Basically, they can do it to, and this is. I mean, I was, I think I was tweeting, I know I was tweeting about this. Uh, the Department of Homeland Security just put up on their website that, that right now they believe that speech that erodes confidence in the federal government is a, is a terrorist activity. So 
that means that if you're exercising, this conversation right here can make us domestic terrorists. If, if it erodes confidence in the federal government. And I have been working with the, against the federal government for 25 years. And trust me, I ain't got any confidence in them because they're incompetent. Yeah. And it's, that's one thing that's kind of, kind of hard to balance, right? Because on the one hand, the government seems so incompetent, but on the other hand, they seem like they have this like master plan to fucking take over. And so which is it like, are they incompetent or are they actually like incredibly competent in what they're actually trying to do, which is something just really menacing? Okay, there's a term in in video gaming called uh, a Zerg. I don't know if you're a video. Oh yeah, I played StarCraft. Yeah, the federal government is a Zerg. They they're not they're not competent. They just can overwhelm you with their resources. They've got the badges, the guns, lawyer after lawyer. That that librarian warlord case I was telling you about. It was me against twelve lawyers that they flew in from D.C. They had the whole side of the car. Uh, I won every single motion that I filed in that case, and then I lost the war because you don't win that case. <laughs> if you win <laughs> every fact, battle, you the, lose the war. The, like Afghanistan. Yeah, ex- that's exactly right. I li- literally, I had, I had uh, their their eyewitnesses that they refused to bring to the United States because they were terrorists who were testifying against my client, uh, testifying remotely from one of our embassies in Ghana. And I had all of their testimony struck from the, the record. They had, they, I eliminated that entire part of their case. And when I got down to it, they, they basically, um, the, the whole, the, the case that they had built on, um, on recruiting child soldiers was all through circumstantial and it's it's immigration so it's not there's no rules of evidence and it's mm. it's a much slower burden it's civil proceeding it's not a criminal uh, so proceeding. preponderance of evidence so, is, is the standard yeah exactly yeah ex- exactly so i mean realistically speaking there was no way i was going to win the case but i spent two years of my life fighting it and the judge or excuse me um the the, the government's lead counsel hated me because I filed a motion almost every single day for two straight years, just every day. They'd send me off, they sent me uh, an evidence package that was over 800 pages of, uh, of, of individuals uh, for their witness list. And there was like uh, – it was, it was like out of a movie where they literally had to – when they served me with their evidence, they had giant boxes that they had to cart in. Um, uh, and so I had to go through and they're like, good everything. luck. Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. So I was filing a mo- I was going through everything and filing motions to strike motions to uh, to exclude um, some motions for summary judgment. I mean, literally every single day I was filing a motion for two straight years. And so that so that lawyer hated me. Absolutely hated me. Isn't and then, it weird how they can give you 800, do- 800 pages worth of documents, but then they can only release 500 pages a month of JFK assassination records. Because they're too busy. Federal government, man. They're, they're a fucking Zerg, baby. And that's not the only time I've heard of that happening, by the way. I know other cases, which I'm not at liberty to discuss, where you know judges have ruled that the that the intelligence community, what be it the FBI, CIA, or whatever, has to release documents, you know, and and they say, okay, we'll release them, but we can only do 500 pages a month. And there, by the way, there's 80,000 pages. It's like if it only took you two years to make the documents, how damn long does it take for you to email them? 
well, I mean, you must have wiped the server with the cloth or something. Yeah, or maybe they just want to go through and read every document before they release it and, you know, black Sharpie whenever they have to. I, I don't know. Um, All I know is that to get back to what we were talking about with regards to the double standard, I, I mean, mm. the things that they're able to get away with, we private citizens can't do anything. You can't do anything. If you commit a federal crime, you're not getting a you're not getting a plea bargain. You're you're they're going to matter of fact, Kathy Hochul's husband was the U.S. attorney here, um, Bill Hochul. And ironically, oh, to tie it all in. Yeah. Bill Hochul's sister is the attorney that I went against in the librarian warlord case, who is now a judge and is a fantastic judge. Best immigration judge in the United States, without a doubt. She's amazing. Um, but in any event, so Bill Hochul was notorious. He prosecuted um, a bunch of guys. This was back right around 9-11. They went over to, I want to say Yemen. I think they were Yemenis. And they bought a bunch of T-shirts from like one of those, some people that were considered to be terrorists and literally said, and these were young kids, like 18-year-olds, 19-year-old kids, gave them a plea deal. It was like, you got to spend the next 25 years, uh, plea to this, or we're going to trial. And for material support to a terrorist organization for buying T-shirts or something along those lines. I don't know all the facts, but I talked to uh, the lawyer who was representing um, was representing the U.S. citizen kids. And he just motherfucked Bill Hochul up and down. And this was like one of the most mild mannered guys I've ever met in my life. And I mean, great lawyer, but really even keeled. He was just, you know, uh, like a nice man kind of guy where you never saw him. Uh, you never saw him ruffled at all. And he just was like, these guys, the, the U.S. Attorney's Office, they're, they're rough. They, mm. they don't mess around. They're like, you're going to jail. We're charging you with a crime. You're going to jail. That's a given. Uh, you can plead to going to, to this and get a jail sentence. We're going to let you go for 15 years. That's the, that's the pound of, of uh, a flesh we want from you. Or, we're going to go to trial on the original charges uh, and you're never going to see the light of day. So decide what you're going to do. That's, that is absolutely terrifying. So let me ask you this. Terrifying. You know, one of my buddies is Ian, Ian miles Chong. Great on Twitter. Still at still gray on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, and is at still gray on Getter as well. And um, he recently, I don't know if you saw his post, but he recently has PayPal account re account restricted. And he's not, he's, he lives in Malaysia. He's not an American citizen, but I've heard of, we've heard stories of Americans like Chase Bank, for example, uh, denied the um, uh, Donald Trump Jr. from processing payments for an event recently. What, what goes into, and maybe you're not the right guy to ask, I, I don't know, but what goes into whether or not a bank can freeze your account in the United States? Is it just at the discretion of the bank or does, does the FBI have to reach out and ask them to? Well, I mean, you could assume that the FBI would be able to do that. I don't, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I, 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 all I know is that that's where we're going. That, I mean, we just saw it happen in Canada. They just gave us the blueprint, and the Democrats are like, ah, this is how we can enforce it. We're just basically going to use emergency powers to freeze unpopular speech, uh, the bank accounts of people that are 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 expressing unpopular speech. That's where it's mm -hmm. going. Yeah. So it seems to me that's why they hate Bitcoin. That's why they yes. hit the Bitcoin. Yes. Well, and it seems to me that it's, you know, just a couple of years ago, it was a conspiracy theory and much less founded at the time. 
to think that this would ever happen in the United States, that, you know, bank accounts would be getting frozen, people would be getting deplatformed like crazy. Really, you know, five or 10 years ago, it was even more kind of like an asinine opinion. But it seems to me obvious at this point that what's going to happen is over the course of the next five to 10 years, we're going to go from major fringe influencers getting censored and frozen in their, in their bank accounts to guys like you and me to like regular Joe below the plumber who just said, you know, fuck the Democrats and now they're going to freeze his bank. So that's right. what do you, what do you that's think? Right. What do you think of, um, like we should be doing as Americans? Because I got a, like a fucking baby daughter. I got a wife, you know, I got a mortgage. Like what can we do to prepare? I, mean, I know there's nothing you can do to like cure it or just totally prevent it. Like what should I be doing? Well, this is where it goes back to what I was saying about the Republican governors. The Republican governors have got to basically band together and say, we're not going to allow this shit to happen in our states. We're going to set up our own separate independent system, a monetary banking system where you know that they can't, that the federal government, if they attempt to freeze it, that some sort of protections are going to be put in place. And I, I just don't see, and this isn't what I want. I want there to be, look, I grew up, when I was, you know, a young twenty-year-old, with Bill in the Bill Clinton years, my my I, he was became president uh, in my in my college years, and that guy he he'd get impeached and walk right into to the Republicans' office and say, "Let's how do we make a deal here? Let's make a deal." I mean, w- until both sides start to say, "We have got to stop." calling the other side evil over political disagreements and figure out where the common ground, like Manchin. I mean, Manchin is literally, I said it at the beginning of this podcast, Manchin saved this country because if that Voting Rights Act went in, do you think, do you think that all of a sudden the Republican states are going to say, yeah, sure, we'll just, we're going to bend over for this. I don't think that they were. I think, I bet most of them would, but I bet there would have been holdouts. Because well, I'm not, I'm not out. underestimating people's willingness to comply anymore. I'm shocked. Yeah, yeah. You well, know, I mean, I complied. I complied. Yeah, and it's, but it's, and it seems like a small thing. I don't, I don't blame you. I understand, and I don't, it's not your fault. But like, it's like the slow burn thing, man. Like, people are are going to just comply, and like, God forbid that I ever get in this circumstance. But when you have a family. And you have a choice between I'm going to do the right thing or I'm going to do what the government says. And if I do the right thing, I'm going to prison forever. That's a difficult decision to make. I mean, you know what it's like to look at your fucking well, kid and just be like, holy shit, am I going to get locked up one day like, gotta, just because of what I say? You got to move to a Republican state. I mean, that's, you got to yeah. move to a Republican state. And it's as, it's as simple as that. And I'm, I've got... Um, I've got a couple years to make that decision because I, you know, for my kids, I don't really, with the fact that my, their mother passed, I'm trying to keep as much continuity in their, in their lives as possible. I don't want to take them away from their friends, but as soon as they're done with high school, I'm out of here. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. no reason for me to stay in New York state. They're, they've totally gerrymandered. I, my congressman is not only my friend, but my client and they just took his district away from him. I mean, he's he's going to have to run for a district that's not even in Buffalo. It's, I mean, he, he lives in Orchard Park now, which is where the bills play, but he's going to have to, his district, there's a new district that was created. That's like, all, it's completely gerrymandered. And it basically is, there's one of two 
there's only going to be two districts in New York State where Republicans are going to have a representation. It's like there's like this, the middle part of the state. There's some parts in, in um, the upper part of the state, upstate New York. The rest of it's all going to be Democrat. Buffalo and Rochester, and then that's all Democrat. Uh, where I live right outside of Buffalo is a, sort of a, a purple area, uh, but it's part of a Republican district, the 27th New York State District. I'm not going to have representation. I mean, I, I know the the, the, the congressperson um, since I've been a kid. I really do. Who uh, represents the city of Buffalo, and he's not a he's not a bad guy or anything along those lines. But I know he's for gun confiscation. Sure. You know. Wow, uh, and that's a problem. Like the, for left, me. the entire left kind of has, has gotten to that point, but there's always a place for you in Texas as long as Texas remains Texas. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about Beto. Beto's running right now. And, yeah, I mean, does he have a chance? He has a chance. Yeah, I don't think that we that Republicans should take it for granted, but I do think that the number of Democrats moving into the state has been overestimated. I think that a lot of Republicans from these blue states are moving in too. So everyone's freaking out about California migration, thinking it's going to flip the state. And it might, but I don't think that I, I don't think that the, the percentage of people moving from California to Texas is reflective of um, the percentage of people in California who are Democrat versus Republican. So I think it's skewed differently. I'm an example of somebody who moved from California who is a Republican. I'm never going to vote for a fucking Democrat. I might not always vote for a Republican, but I'm never, ever in my life ever going to vote for another Democrat. I would only consider voting for a Democrat if it was an old school blue dog Democrat that was fiscally conservative, socially moderate. Sure. Um, uh, abstain on uh, on the abortion issue, just basically abstain and abstain on the Second Amendment issue. We're saying I'm not taking position. I'm not going to vote. Uh, let's just say the Supreme Court has ruled that you have a constitutional right to to a firearm and you have a constitutional right to uh, uh, Roe v. Wade as the precedent until that. I would be willing to consider that candidate, but that candidate is, is – I have a better chance of starting for the Los Angeles Lakers at center than that politician ever to come into into, into fruition. It's, the Democrats are so far left. The Republicans are so far right. There are some moderates left in the Republican Party, which is the only reason why I'm just voting straight Republican, because there's some moderates still. Right. Well, I don't even know what it means to be so far right, though. It seems like the left went further left than the right went right. Well, I mean, I, I don't like – okay. I, the left has gone so left that it's – they're almost they've, – they've gone so left that they're, they, they've dug to China. Sure. I mean, they've gone – they've done – it's amazing because what I constantly hear about uh, when, when, when people, conservatives, start talking about freedom of uh, – the suppression of freedom of expression, they're like, well, you're the ones that are banning books. Well, wasn't wasn't To Kill a Mockingbird just banned in a, a bunch of school districts? I don't know exactly where that was, but that, I can't imagine that those school districts are are those. There are other books that have been banned, banned by not. lefties too, or well, righties and lefties have always burned books. But it's that's a weird conversation in public schools because it's you're not really banning the book altogether if you're just saying and we don't want it in our schools, right? Well, yeah, I guess you can still. I, 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 
my kids are being taught this the common core math i can't help them with their math homework i mean yeah, I, that's, I don't that's know shit. I, i've seen some youtube videos on that it doesn't make any sense it's all estimation i have a friend who's an engineer who's like oh actually you know what it makes some sense and I was an English major. I mean, I can't count past uh, 10 unless I take off my shoes and socks. So I, I leave the math for the smart people. Maybe Dr. Jill Biden can help us with that. She's the well, doctor. Dr. Colkin, you're a doctor. So, so I, I um, am. What is, um, what's your favorite book having been an English major? Was there one that really just made you like, oh, I got to, I got to study this. Okay. Well, um, fiction, the, my favorite fiction or nonfiction? Both. I want to hear both. Okay. And they're both in the same general genre. All right. Okay. Uh, and, and both of them made a really lasting impact on me. One of which was uh, cited on the floor of Congress. Uh, and I want to say Newt Gingrich did the forward to, it was called One Second After uh, by, I want to say his name is William Forsh- Forsheim. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, it's, the, it, it's, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's scary because of how uh, possible it actually is. It's a, a post-apocalyptic event where um, there's uh, an electric magnetic pulse that goes off and um, over the United States and the, the aftermath of what happens. And I I don't know if you've heard of electric magnetic pulses. It's, sure, I watched The Matrix. Uh, but, okay, so yeah, all right. So it, I didn't know much about it. When I, and I read this book maybe when I, whenever it came out. And uh, someone just threw it on my desk and was like, you got to read this. And uh, it really raised an eyebrow. I was like, whoa, I didn't realize how fragile our electric grid was. So to, to segue into my, the, the most important eye-opening nonfiction book that I read was Ted Koppel's book uh, called Lights Out. And he did a deep dive into the fragility of the electric grid. Oh, and cyber interviewed like that. cyber physical attack emp and he interviewed everybody i mean this is ted koppel this was not i mean sure. this was ted koppel ted koppel became a prepper from reading this book oh he <laughs> And yes, because it's basically he said it's not it's not if the electric grid is taken down, it's when and for how long and and well the for how long is the scary part because the for how long months minimum will at least especially if they go after the generators because the generators that they have the generators that we these major these massive generators they have we don't have backups. They are they're and they're not made here. Where are they made? China. China. Yep. And Germany, I guess. So I mean it's so and they could literally wipe out according to Ted Koppel's book, if you want to believe the statistics and the estimates, ninety percent of the, the country's population in a year. From the power or the largest life. Power. The power out and ninety percent of the people in this country would die. From disease, Just because it would fuck from, up the supply I mean, chain, so you wouldn't be able to get food. Everything. Starvation would be the issue. Starvation, um, waterborne disease. Think about it. No purification for water. Sure. 
possibly no water delivery. I mean, there's a lot of places uh, if you don't have power, if it's not it's well water, you need to have it pumped into your home. Septic system, everything, everything is dependent upon the electric grid. I mean, have you been in a long term power power outage? I was in the Texas freeze last year, uh, but we had oh. we were fortunate. We had power um, the whole time because we're on the same, I guess, segment of the grid as the uh, as one of the hospitals. So they didn't shut us down. Mm-hmm. Um, we were prioritized, but um, you know there were, there were I think thirty eight people, if my memory is correct, that died when the freeze happened. Mostly people living in mobile homes because they fucking froze to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I was in a, an extended power outage. Um, it was called the October storm here. We got a brutal snowstorm when all the leaves are still on the trees and the trees all snapped and we lost power uh, mm-hmm. through a lot of Buffalo. So I, and it wasn't life threatening or anything along those lines. Cause there were some places that had power. I just went to my parents' house and stayed there. It was not that big of a deal, but we didn't have power uh, on my street for about a week. I want to say, First day, you're like, okay, uh, light, let's light some candles, put on a sweater. By day number three, you're like, this is fucking, this is like unbearable. You, you, I mean, all the food in your your refrigerator is dead. So basically, after a few days, if if it's not cold outside, all of your food's gonna gonna go and spoil. I mean, it's it's. Yeah. It's amazing how much we depend upon the electric grid. So yeah. there you go. I answer your question in a so, Matt Colkin lengthy way. So obviously this whole climate change, green energy shit is like a very compl- uh, politically charged, um, uh, I don't know, topic. And I have mixed feelings about it because I'm not sure whether or not climate change is man-made cause. I don't know to what extent it is. I am literally, I am actually 100% agnostic and unbiased on, on the um, climate change thing. But um, at, same at, the same, at the same time, I'm like, I don't want people just, you know, switching to green energy because of bullshit reasons either. So, you know, I'm just totally ignorant. That being said, it does seem to me that there is a national security interest in, in, a, in, a, in a move to electric power, given the fact that like if, if you have a soul, if you, if you can get solar power to your home. And it's it's you know it's off the grid, and you can power your own unit. Then that if if that was something that was implemented nationwide, then we would be much less vulnerable to uh, foreign attack, right? Uh, that and nuclear, uh, but and it goes back to and that has to be an essential component of all of this. But the problem is, is certain areas like Buffalo, New York. I mean, we're, there's just going to be times of the year where we're not going to have, have enough sun to be able to to produce our own energy. But if it supplements, that's great. But to go back to the electric grid and green energy, what do you, our electric grid is so fragile and so archaic, we cannot handle a, a, a rapid transition to electric vehicles where everybody is charging their vehicles at night it will also collapse the grid. And no one is talking about that. We literally do not have the ability right now to have fully electric vehicles on a large scale. Wow, that's fascinating. Look what happened in in California. Look at what happened out in California. In California, they were telling people that you can't charge your vehicle when they were having power outages. You can't power your cars. And all these people with fucking Teslas and their Priuses, whatever, were like, well, fuck you. I got to drive in traffic tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think they even passed it a law for environmental purposes that you can't charge your Tesla with a generator, which is, of course, ironic. But 
<laughs> did you did you see Chef Gruel? Chef Gruel, uh, Andrew Gruel. Do you know Andrew Gruel? Andrew and Lauren Gruel. Uh, they're 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 uh, uh, they've had a, a really great social media presence, and he um, they own uh, a chain of restaurants called Slapfish. Shout out to the Gruels. They're amazing. Um, so he was just on Fox and was talking about how in California they are outlawing gas grills for kitchens. So you have to, they're going to make restaurants you can't, cook you can't on have a gas hookup. Yeah. You can't have a gas hookup in a new commercial building. I don't think in California. So if you build a building, you can't have gas. So what, I'm going to go out and have a steak on a hot plate. Is that what I'm, yeah, is that how it's gonna I'm going to be Or Yeah. They'll use charcoal, I guess. That'd be kind of cool. But <laughs> well, I mean, it, yeah, but isn't that counterproductive? Isn't that like dirty? Fuel? It's coal. It's literally coal. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we're going to make people switch back to fucking coal. I mean, yeah, we're going to start seeing steam engines, you know, like the Amtrak's going to go oh, back to the God. old smokers yeah. with, the, with, with the trolley. So, you know, one thing that's well, interesting I, about this. I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, because I, I, I put out a tweet today because it goes to, to the conversation we were, uh, we were just having. Is what dystopian fiction, movie or novel most accurately depicts the present? Oh, the present. What was your answer? I just was. Everyone was basically saying 1984. Or mm, it's more like brave. It's more like brave new world. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so too. I was. That's a I good was going to say. Um, yeah, I was. I I was going to uh, say, uh, and no one, I'm sure, even remembers this movie, uh, Convoy, just because it's talking about it's the truckers there was like this i think it was chris christopher and chris christopherson the, tr- so, the country singers me being yeah yeah i mean there was yeah. this, it was like a movie from like the late 70s early it, 80s and was like i'd probably have to say my, like my, a, my it's over the top with uh with uh what's his name fucking rocky sylvester stallone <laughs> did you ever see over the top with uh-huh. sylvester stallone <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. I saw Over the Top. Uh, uh, and I also saw another one of his classics, Judge Dredd. Never saw Judge Dredd. Oh, I think Wesley Snipes was that. It was in, in that with him. It I would have to say that. I, I, think, it, I think it's um, Altered Carbon. Did you ever watch the Netflix series, Altered Carbon, or read the books? So it takes place way in the future. So it's not a perfect representation. But the premise of that movie, or that it's from a trilogy, and the premise of the series, only watch the first season, by the way. The first season is the only one remotely accurate to the book. Um, and then they went woke. But the premise of the series is it takes place in the future, and technology has been developed where you can insert uh, like this, dick, this disc, not dick, you can insert this disc to the base of your brain that stores your consciousness. So if your body dies, as long as the disc is intact, you can be resleeved in another body, right? And the bodies, some of them are artificially made, some of them are bred, whatever. So everybody has these. And the whole premise is basically um, this man who was formerly deemed a domestic terrorist for being anti this technology altogether hundreds of years ago is brought back to life because he has like incredible combat and investigation skills because he was a part of this like elite terrorist group. He's brought back to life because mm-hmm. this elite person who's been alive for hundreds of years is this wealthy person was murdered and his backup was only every 48 hours. So he doesn't know who murdered him. And so he hires this former terrorist to to investigate and find out who was his murderer. And that's like the whole premise. But you see the society that's like, I think I have seen this. Yeah. Yeah. It was on Netflix. They made a Netflix original series. Mm -hmm. It was pretty, the first season was really good. 
and it wraps up nicely. So you only have to watch the first season. It's not like you're missing out if you don't go on. So, but basically the whole movie, this guy's going through the society that's had hundreds of years of like the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer and only the rich being able to resleeve and, you know, live forever and just how decadent every, everyone becomes and uh, hedonistic, you know? Yeah, I'll have to dial that up. I'll have to steal someone's network Netflix password because I, I don't subscribe. Why? Because they put out cuties? No, I canceled before that. When they when they paid Obama for the crap that he was producing, I'm like, fuck this. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. I I understand. I I have a hard time with that. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have any of the, the streaming services. I don't pay for any of them. So how do you uh, entertain yourself? Um, I listen to books on tape. Um, I got into yoga this last year and I noticed that on Insta. Really, I, I go to, a, I do a yoga practice every single day. I do like at least an hour a day. Uh, then I, my kids are at that age where they play soccer seven days a week and it just monopolizes all my time. And I got, then I got work. So at the end, sure. when I'm done with all of that, I don't have time to do anything else. And I certainly don't want to watch some shitty show that some Hollywood liberal elite who fucking hates me is making and is making money off of me. I'm not going to support it. Fuck makes it. sense. That makes sense, man. So we've got an hour. What are some last thoughts? Where can people follow you? And uh, we'll wrap it. At M Colkin, K-O-L-K-E-N on Twitter. Uh, my website's colkinlaw.com if you're looking to get in touch uh, to talk about coming to the United States. Uh, and uh, that's 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 where you can find me until I can figure out how to get one of those chips and put it into LeBron James's body and, and then you can see me on the court. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much.